You know, this song, it's a, it's a new wine. It is a now song. I don't believe it's any coincidence that the, the, the words that you hear being spoken, that's uh, being a revelation to us that this, this power that comes, it comes in a new wine. But it needs to be contained in a new wineskin or the new wine will destroy the wineskin. So he's doing a work within us to build us as a new wineskin to contain the new wine because the new wine contains the very things that we're talking about through Ephesians and looking at. In fact, right through the scriptures, it's a power of God. He doesn't, I believe, want to unleash in a power in you that's going to blow you apart. He wants to release the power in you that's building you up as a new wineskin, a carrier of the power of God. And I'm, I'm more of, I've looked at this and I, and, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as I'm reading this and writing this down and thinking, Lord, man, I've, I've, I've walked this 30 plus odd years and it's like I'm just seeing this now. Yeah, why? There's a reason for this. And this, this accepting of that is the very thing that Greg talked about. It's about the humbling. It's the spirit of pride that I want to touch on tonight that allows us to receive what he's got for us in here. There's one thing I, I, I'd like to do just to start with. I hope you all can see this. And you've got a piece of paper um, on, the, on the table there. It, can you draw a diamond? This came out, those who were sitting at my table the other day have, have already done this the, the other Sunday. But I, I was a little bit surprised as to the difficulty some people had in drawing what I'm going to get you to draw. <laughs> I didn't say any names. <laughs> Uh, um, but this might help. But there's a reason why this is not just a, a, um, a architectural draft, a, you know, drawing 101. <laughs> um, there's a reason why I want you to look at this because I hope it'll hit home something about how we receive. So we all got a, a diamond on our piece of paper. Underneath it, give it a little bit of a space. Draw a V. Got that? Beautiful. Can we do that? Draw a line straight down the bottom to the V. And draw those two lines here. <laughs> there we go. That's a cube, more or less. Mostly more. <laughs> Okay, it's not what appeared last Sunday, which is a rhombocosa dodecahedron. Okay, it's got 32 sides to it. <laughs> On your piece of paper, just put an L for the length. So let's let's make that one the length. Let's put perhaps a, a W for the width. And let's put H for the height. Let's turn back to Ephesians. Ephesians 3. Eighteen, seventeen, eighteen. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. The key, the key here for receiving this power, remember um, Paul's on his knees praying because the very thing that we're going to need to receive, we can't receive without the power that comes from God for the very thing that we're trying to understand to receive. We cannot receive it devoid of him. Power together with all the saints to grasp how wide how long? How height? Draw on there B for broad. You've run out of dimensions. For something to be a dimension, it needs to be measurable and you need to be able to manipulate it. We can manipulate length, width and height. What do we do with broad? Your Paul's here talking length, width, height and breadth. Well, that's a little confusing. Start to get into... Um, 
some areas of uh, <laughs> science and physics that, that I don't understand. Uh, probably my son-in-law has uh, uh, got a, a degree in maths with a physics major, might be able to explain it, but I don't, I don't pretend to. But what I do know is there's a word in there that, that speaks of time. Time's actually a dimension. It changes. It's measurable, you know, one second from the next second. You can also manipulate it and change it. Time changes by gravity. The closer you are to, to gravity, the quicker it goes, the further away. The faster you go, time changes. In fact, if we were all to travel at the speed of light, it's impossible for man. Gravity changes. You just start to go, you'd get squished. Apparently, says me as if I'm sort of physics major, but <laughs> last time I travelled at the speed of light, that's what happened to me, right? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's measurable. They know this. There are clocks that are, are positioned at different heights from sea level. They're atomic clocks and they're just microseconds apart from each other because of their distance and gravity. So the point is, it is a dimension, it is measurable, it is, can be manipulated. To understand this is outside of our understanding. How can you have length, width, height and breadth? Well, because he's talking about something that is beyond our capability to lay hold of in our mind. It's why you need power, the power that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ that comes from God himself to actually receive and notice the very thing that he's looking for us to actually receive that we need the power that we need to be rooted and grounded in to receive the very thing that we're grounded in to try and get I love what you said Sam I love everything you say Sam (laughs) (laughs) you know that that Root, it's like, like, uh, a gravity. Try jumping up. Let's see who stays up. You're rooted and grounded. You're back down again. Okay, you look at a tree that's rooted and grounded. We were talking at a table about, <clears throat> I got a few trees that I planted at home, uh, or transplanted effectively. They came out of a wine barrel and into the, into the ground. One tree came out. The roots were all tight and bound together, held together so that when they went in the ground, it was new fresh dirt and that went around it, uh, watered it properly, fed it properly, and bingo, away it grows as a tree. It's just looking great. It's a plum tree. The other tree was an apple tree. When it came out of the, of the um, wine barrel, half wine barrel, most of the dirt just fell away. Um, so it was rooted. It just wasn't grounded. It, it, it was still there. We planted in the ground and at my... Darling wife's behest, she's saying, why are you leaving the apples on it, Paul? Pull them off. No, 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 I'll just leave some on because they're really nice apples. He said, well, it's not helping it. <laughs> the poor old thing, the this, this sickly looking tree, because the roots are sickly roots, it's, it's um, rooted, it's just not grounded. So this poor thing produces a bunch of apples and this um, limb is like this. <laughs> oh, that one broke off. What I need to actually do is prune it. So for the next few seasons, there will be no apples. In fact, some of the branches are going to get uh, knocked back pretty hard. Why? Because there needs to be some pruning that needs to take place in order to establish what that tree actually is designed and built and created to be. But it needs to get rooted and grounded in order to flourish in what it is. You know? And... I can look at that tree and I can say that tree should produce apples. It is certainly not going to produce bananas and it's not going to produce plums. It's going to actually produce two types of apples. But it should produce apples. Why? It's an apple tree. That apple should be um, you know, white-fleshed. It'll have a red skin on it and a green skin, two, two different types. It's going to have seeds inside it. I'll know they're mature when I cut it in half and the seeds are dark in colour, not white. And the apple tastes nice, not bitter. Why? Because it's rooted and grounded in love in order to grow and to flourish into the very thing that it's created to be. And I should see love flow from a tree that's rooted and grounded in love that I will now have power inside to recognise the, wing, the width, the length, the height, the breadth of the love of God.
And where Sam left off to pick up how now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that works within us. Often we've heard, and I've, I've heard it and received it myself, immeasurably, immeasurably, exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that I could ever hope for. Like a Maserati, maybe. <laughs> or, a, or, a, or a flash house. or uh, 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 this, this is all external. Though those things may come. They'll come by the hand and the grace of God not by my striving to create it. This exceedingly, immeasurably, above and beyond, where's, where's he talking about? You know, this kingdom that we were just singing about, a kingdom reality, that, that power that's going to propel me forward and does propel me forward when I'm able to realize and recognize even this much that attitude, Paul, that thing that has been raised up with inside you, that's not of me, is it? There's a propelling of me away from that, not a drawing of me into it, though I recognize it, though it may be there. There's a power at work within me that's actually metamorphosizing what is happening in here where the battle is taking place that I cannot figure out in my mind. But the power of the gospel is at work within me. And it will do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what I could ever hope for or imagine. Imagine that. I have got a pretty good imagination. And more often than not, I'm trying to rein it in because it's everywhere. Ask, ask my wife. It's everywhere all at once. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, George should be so lucky. <laughs> um, I love the next one. To him be the glory in the church. I love that you know, Jesus was praying that this glory that I have with the Father, I pray that you too have it. Where does he want this glory? It's that whole thing that's been expressed back in here, in his body, in the church. To him be the glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus. Oh, here's this. Um, yes, well, that, that must be for the apostles, you know, and, and some of those prophets of old, and, and some of those people, you know, and maybe a few that just came very close after. We're 2,000 odd years down the track, maybe not so much. No, throughout all generations, forever and ever. That tidally throws a noose around us and ropes us in and says that this is for me and it is for you too. I love this word. You know, I've, I've sat here at the Rock for over um, just over 12 years now, almost to the day, and hearing the words, hearing the messages, with my ears, but as I've stayed and received this word that's been coming down and breaking down barriers that have been set in here, that I've been actually able to hear, O oh Israel, the Lord is one. And out of that comes this message of the power of the gospel and that there is a new wine and it needs to be in a new wine skin. The very thing that I hold this teaching and understanding that I've cultivated and created, knowing that there's a presence of God that I've been as a young man yearning for and looking for and striven to find and to achieve. Found that I've been doing that a lot in my own strength, in my own wisdom, in my own resources. Confused in my own mind as to why what I see on the page and the reality that it speaks of seems so distant and so far from me, and yet seems to be a reality that the scripture talks of. And in hearing a demonstration of a life that has received this power and says, yes, and amen, this is possible, but it's not through your own mind and through your own doing.
that it requires something else to take place. And it's called... <laughs> and a word that says, I might be... <laughs> I could be more correct. <laughs> no. No, because you're still hanging on to something. Paul, you big muppet. I love you, son. I've shown you my heart towards you. I have shown you my father's heart. And I've shown you the way. Now walk in it. And here, here, open the eyes of your heart so you can see. Open the ears of your heart so you can hear. Will you be willing? Uh, probably. Yes, Lord. Ah, oh, okay. In the crushing... <laughs> More of me coming out. In the crushing... Oh, more of me still cometh out. <laughs> I'm forming something. I love the word. I just saw it tonight. In the ground. In the daily grind of life. You don't have to go send yourself off to Syria or somewhere. You know? I, I love, um, correct me if I got this wrong, Chris, my son. <laughs> um, you know, um, Joyce Meyer. Oh, you want to have dominion over demons in the street? How about the dishes in your sink first? You know? How about some self-appraisal? How about looking at, uh, you know, what's happening in your own life and some discipline that's actually formed and how you actually walk in your own life before you want to race out and save the world. Oops. One Corinthians two thirteen and fourteen. I just want to touch on the Sam so beautifully picked it up uh, last week. So turn with me if you would to to one Corinthians. Just gotta go back a couple. That is what we speak about. We don't use words taught to us by people. Who's speaking to you now? A people? I hope so. Not a giraffe, not a monkey. People. And yet, this is what we speak about. We don't use words taught to us by people. We use words taught to us by the Holy Spirit. We use words that this, uh, of the Spirit to teach the truths of the Spirit. Some people don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Things like that are foolish to them. They can't understand them. In fact, such things can't, they cannot be understood without the Spirit's help. You know, I don't know how much clearer it gets. It was really bringing that home to me. That this, this message that has been spoken, this the bride of Christ, the new wine, the new wineskin, the power of God. The, the, I mean, it's not a new message. It's been around for a long time. But hearing it new and the way that it's received in a new wineskin, the new wineskin is the fact that it is taught by the Holy Spirit. It's not taught by my own understanding. That is why that we find that there's enmity between the flesh and the spirit. Try running through the wall. See how far you get. You'll, you'll find out pretty quickly your flesh. All right? So there is a, you are flesh, but you're not just flesh. This is why he said, why Nicodemus struggled with this. Or what must I do? Well, you've got to be born again. Um, okay, <laughs> not really. Yeah, why? I'm talking about a spiritual reality. Your spirit is dead. It's dead to me. It needs to be born again, made alive in the power of the spirit. You know this baptism that he talks about, the baptism of John, repentance, and the baptism of Jesus Christ, you must be baptized. 
What do we all need to do? Get down. Well, therefore you're saved, yeah? What about the, um, the thief on the cross? I am certainly not saying don't get water baptised. Okay? So anyone who hears that, listening to this, I am not saying that. The Ethiopian official was a, um, a clear demonstration. Oh, what do we got to do? There's a puddle. Either he was a very thin man or it was a very big puddle. <laughs> All right. But what is more important, what is that? It's an outward uh, um, demonstration of something that needs to take place. There's one who's going to come and baptize with what? Wow, the power of God. What was it that the, the um, thief or the criminal on the cross received? He would have received the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in him on the cross. This very day you'll be with me in paradise. You know the song at, at, at Elders the other night? We were just worshipping together and that song came on. Yeah, and I, I, love, I, I just love how there's just been this beautiful unity and oneness that is being built so strong within our eldership and that um, each one of us is able to speak and receive, um, give and receive a word from the Lord. And one may have one part, another has another, and bring something to it. And that song, I was just, I mean, I certainly wasn't there where I ended up when we started uh, worshipping. But very quickly, um, the Spirit took my spirit. And there was, there's power. It's a power. You know, I came afterwards and said, Poor, I don't know where that all came from. We're saying there's a power. This is a very powerful prophetic song. And it is, you know. Um, so if the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus there's a power it's a testimony of Jesus taking place and I could see the woman at Jesus' feet it felt so tangible like I could reach out and touch and I was just weeping weeping my heart out as I was convicted to see myself standing like the Pharisees looking at Jesus and looking at this woman. Going like, oh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, what, what are you doing? Look, if you only knew, if I only knew, if you only knew. Here's a vessel that is pouring out new wine. And you're supposed to know that. And you're going, ooh. So there's a power that's happening. It's not, she, you didn't have to teach her about repentance. You didn't teach to teach her about forgiveness. She, she knew she came with nothing except some oil or uh, um, perfume to give. What she had in her hand, there was nothing in her that was pompous or pious to actually bring, but a, a broken heart recognizing there's my salvation, there's my life. So this is taught by the Holy Spirit, not by man. So as we look, let's go back to Ephesians. I'm either going to have to get New Bible, new new eyes or new glasses, because <laughs> this 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 uh, printing is getting smaller and smaller. It's getting more colour and more notes on it. <laughs> um, I'm just going to read through this, okay? As a prisoner of the Lord, it's going to it's chapter four, verse one, uh, through to six. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble. And gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, as you are called, to one hope, 
when you are called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, uh, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Man, if that's not a hope, <laughs> I don't know what else is. And I, this is why this is so big. This is why this, I mean, if you can grab that with your brain, well, good luck to you. The, the actual um, administration of that can only come by the power of the Holy Spirit when someone just tells you, you know, the, you know who created, like, I don't know, the universe? Um, inside you. Oh, okay. Somehow I think it's a little bit more than, oh, okay. But there's this, remember, there's something that, 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 um, holds it as a, oh, okay, is flesh. And the flesh is at enmity with the spirit. Because what that means is that the flesh has to let go. In fact, Jesus said you've got to die in order for the spirit to reign supreme. All the way through Ephesians, you'll hear these statements like, for this reason, and therefore, for this reason, for this reason. And it's like Paul's building up this crescendo. He's leading into something. And one, one um, group of verses builds on where, where he's going to next. And he's saying, well, so for this reason. And I've heard someone say once, wherever you find that there's a therefore, have a look what the therefore is there for. So that you're going, well, what is it? Why did he just say that? For this reason, what reason? That we have been chosen and adopted and sealed into his family. Remember we talked about the adoption, the price that was paid fully. Chris, no longer Reddington, now Costello. No longer any tie to any debt, anything that's, that's um, remained on his life under Reddington, completely gone. Don't known down the street. Oh, there's Chris Costello. It is that stark a change. It didn't happen for nothing. A price was paid. A debt was paid for the sin that had to be paid for. A death. A debt was paid to purchase from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life, adopted into the family of God. Therefore, for this reason, Therefore, for what? That we are now alive in Christ by the work and grace of God, by faith, not works. That's 115, 2.11, 3.1. For this reason, what reason? We are now one new man in Christ. I'm an, I've been adopted. The work has been done for me. I'm one new man in Christ. The two have been brought together. Sindrasi talks about the enmity, the wall of division that's between them that stopped any of the Gentiles from getting any further than here. They weren't allowed to go into the temple. They could have to stay out in the courtyard. But that wall of hostility that was set between them and the Jews, absolutely destroyed now. You who were once Gentiles now have been brought in to where? What was on the other side of the wall? the Holy of Holies, now residing in here. Where does Christ reign? God doesn't dwell in buildings made of stone. He dwells in the hearts of men alone. No longer something that's constructed of men. I love what Greg's saying. Builders will build. You're designed to build. So you're going to go out and build something. Let Jesus build is a power that comes from him that's going to build us into this one. For this reason that we've been adopted, that we are, uh, the work has been done by Christ, that we are now one new man in Christ. For this reason, what reason? That we would make known the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers in the heavenly realms. An outward demonstration of this power that's a work within me is this demonstration of love one for another to the world. And that, that demonstration of that love, the administration of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power in me that would have me lay down my life for you and prefer you over myself. Well, I'd rather actually be doing this tonight. I'd rather actually be watching a movie. Why would I want to go and actually, I don't know, talk spiritual things with somebody else or walk with them or serve them or love them? 
Why? Because I can't help it. I'm compelled by a power that's driving me. And I find such peace and joy as we um, look through further in, in Ephesians uh, 4, the early chapters, it talks about um, this unity. For unity to be unity, there has to be more than one involved. Does doesn't work outside it. And that demonstration, that administration of the power of the gospel at work as we serve one another is a testimony. It is making fold the manifold, making known the manifold wisdom of God to a heavenly realm that is looking out that says, wow, look how great Paul is. Not at all. It can't be. Not if it's this. Because to him be the glory. That is his administration of his grace gifting at work in me who can bring nothing. That's why it's a testimony to the heavenly realms. Because if it was up to what I had to bring, it's dirty, stinking, rotten. And the best, the very best act of righteousness that I could bring, he describes as a dirty, filthy rag to be cast aside. Well, hang on, that's hardly fair. I mean, I worked pretty hard on that. <laughs> yeah, did a lot of did a lot of kneeling, did a lot of stations of the cross. For those that are not Catholics, that's praying round inside the church. There's stations of the cross, each one representing a different stage of Christ and his walk to Golgotha. And you would stop and you'd pray there's usually a saint involved and of course you'd invoke some saint's name and get him on board with you as well. <laughs> you know? And usually that was after you'd been to confession for some particularly... Um, Naughty thing that I'd done. Well, I'd done very good at that. Yeah, well, even the intent of your heart is not right. Your, your intent needs to be a submission to me and allow me to do that work inside of you, which is the gold, the silver, the precious metal that I now form inside you, which is the only thing I've got left is the work that you've done inside me, and that is you. And that I give back to you. This is the treasure that we become. His. I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. I'm being used as a vessel for him to carry and pour out this new wine. Yet I'm also a man who must fight the good fight. And has become aware of these attitudes of my mind that are completely metamorphosed into his. Let's have a look. Let's just turn to Romans 7. You just go backwards a bit. It's up here that we could have on, so I can, I don't know, see. <laughs> Oh, oh, there! Oh, that many people. <laughs> All right. Seven fifteen. Here's this thing. Remember, Paul's writing about this. Now, here's a man who's received received revelation. And is continuing to grow in him. We hear later on other places that I press on, not that having attained this, I press on to an upward higher call. You know, the, the work of the Spirit of God that's being formed in me to a posture or place that he has for me, both now and the future. 7.15 I do not understand what I do. Have you ever stood in the doo-doos? It's not good when you stand in the doo-doo, right? <laughs> and yet he found himself in this because he recognised what was happening inside of him. But there was, there's an answer to this. I, I, whenever I look to buy a new Bible and I want to have a look at a different translation, I go to this chapter just to see how it's written because it can get really confusing. But if you don't grasp this, that it is brought 
the understanding of all the scripture is brought by the power of the Holy Spirit, not me trying to figure this out in my mind. <clears throat> For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good, this law of the flesh at work within me. That was my added bit, right? As it is, it is no longer I myself I do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. How, how much of something is nothing? Nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. If I have the desire to do what is good, I knew, I knew Jesus was real. I knew the life of Christ was real. But I was crying out for him to reveal himself to me. But I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I, kept, I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. I'll leave, I'll leave you to read that and to go on and to meditate on that in your own time. But to see that there's, here's this man, Paul, recognizing having been brought into Christ, there's a wrestle, there's a struggle going on in him. All the time, he's covered He's covered by God because God knows the state. It's because of that state that we're in that he's wrestling with us. And God knows that. But he's given us the power to overcome this. Jump down to 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is God, it is Jesus Christ that rescues me from in and through this wrestle, this process that I'm recognizing that is taking place within me. And the power that is formed within me brings me to this point where I'm no longer struggling with the very thing that I want to do, is the very thing that he has formed in me, and that I will do. So then I've, I'm a... So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And the next line, the next line, remember the, the chapter verses weren't there when he wrote it. The next line is our, is our hope. And if ever you're hearing teaching and words that are coming to you and that you are receiving that as, ugh, just remember Romans 8.1 and realize that, as Paul did, he's under this covering. He's in the family of God. I don't look at my, my children or my grandchildren and want to, right, that's it, out of the pool. Now you've done something wrong. I understand where they're at and to have grace for them. The very same grace that's been extended on my life is a grace to extend to them that they may come into the same revelation. And so I do not confuse conviction with condemnation. Though the Holy Spirit who is given to convict us of sin, to convict us of righteousness, to empower us to walk in righteousness, is not here to, to condemn us because we already stood condemned outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, you are condemned. Having received him, I now stand in no condemnation. So that when the words are coming, though they may come from a brother whose heart is turned towards me, might speak of something that's in me and to me, what will be revealed in me? Or, ooh. Now that ooh is going to go either way. Oh, oh, well, I suck. I'm done. Oh, how, how bad am I? Oh, there's no hope for me. Oh, I suck at this Christianity. Oh, where, where am I now? I'm past, postured back under condemnation. And yet I'm seated in Christ where there is no condemnation. So if that is a word of truth that has been spoken to my heart for me to receive, we're back in Ephesians 4.1 where he's talking about one God, one spirit. There's one truth. That my, what I hold as a truth might be at fighting against a brother who's bringing me a word of truth, the truth. 
Though I may not have received it, it's not true to me, but it's still the truth that the Holy Spirit will be speaking to my heart and bring conviction because there's no condemnation in him. Am I humble enough to receive that word to be able to go, oh, Lord, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. See if I've constructed something, my, I've built something my own way. And I had. And to receive that word of the Holy Spirit who loves, who whispers this way, that way, and leads me into righteousness that I can be built in this one spirit, one God, one Lord. It's one truth. And with that, oh my Lord, the freedom, the freedom. No longer weighted down by the struggle of the attempt to try and create this freedom that he's, I know is there because scripture is screaming it. But while I'm trying to build that freedom, I'll never get it. Am I willing to look in the mirror and see? I've said this so many times. But we need to. And to be honest with ourselves, remember we're not out here in condemnation land. We're in here. <laughs> it's not America, okay? We're in grace land. <laughs> Don't look, Greg. <laughs> We're in Graceland, where the grace of God is extended towards us, no longer held captive in condemnation land. And I look in the mirror and I recognize. And Paul's back in Ephesians says, I'm a, as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life. That, this means, it's, if the words to, is to walk, means especially proof of the ability of something that you're in. So it becomes this demonstration. Now there's this false thing that I try and make happen, which has no life in it. It actually, it's heavy. There's not the peace in me. I know this. But he's urging us because we find that we're in this grace land. We're in receiving. That's why he's built it. Therefore, therefore, for this reason, having been bought and purchased and paid for by the blood of the Savior, having been adopted into his family, having been sealed by the Holy Spirit, having been uh, brought into his family, having been made one new man, having received his Holy Spirit, having received the power, you will walk. That apple tree will produce apples I might need to prune it I might need to tend it more I might need to feed it the right food and I will look after it it's an apple tree it's going to produce apples I'm a son of the father I'm surrendered rooted and grounded in him therefore when confronted with what is put against me then the nature of God himself will f force out of me now it requires something of me, a surrendered posture. I'm going to freewheel a bit here because it's going to take three or four days to get through my notes that I thought I didn't have enough. <laughs> but... This, this whole posture, if we go back to Ephesians uh, 4. So I want to I keep us on track. Why is he saying this word? He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. But if you go back again, when you have a look at see this manifold wisdom of God, the actual very character, the nature, the spirit of God formed in you, now live a life worthy of this because it's a now and upward higher call that you are going to receive. Be humble. 
Yeah, any, any um, else, anyone else reading NIV? What does the NASB say? B, all humility. Here it says be completely humble. Why not just with humility? Why not just be humble? All, all humility. Completely humble. Ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The peace, remember, is Christ himself. You start to see this and you start to look at wisdom, peace, love. You transpose the name Jesus or God. Just trying to get a picture of this unity. It, just, it came to me before when I was talking with the guys in the army. Is anyone else here that's been in the military? Yeah? So you'll know. I mean, I don't know what it is, but when you put some guys in the army, the first thing they try and do is get you all marching. And they're trying to build a unity and a teamwork and a response to their commands. And one of the neatest things I did was, was to um, lead a company through a, a, it's a, it's a company parade. And you, well I, would have to stand on the, uh, in a particular position. And then I would have to call out the commands to bring the whole company in. So the uh, company um, was uh, three platoons. Each platoon had 30 uh, men in it. And so they had the NCOs and the officers. And so you'd have to call them in, march them through a particular pattern to bring them to where they needed to be. And you had to get it right, otherwise you marched them into a fence or something. <laughs> you know, but the, the whole thing is everybody needs to learn how to march. Now you think that would be simple. The guy was 18 years old. You've been walking for 18 years. Why is it when we say, by the left, quick march, people suddenly start going like this? <laughs> when, when have you ever walked like that? <laughs> It's <laughs> simple. By the left, quick march. Left, right, left. Oh, yeah, I got it. Quick march. <laughs> it happens. So what, what do they do? The guy's got to get it. it. Remember, the whole purpose of the army was is to fight, not to march around everywhere. Marching is a form of discipline that's being instilled into someone. One, to get them disciplined. Two, to get them working together as a team. In fact... More than a team is one body. We tie a broomstick to the guy's uh, feet and arms. A guy in front and a guy behind. So the guy in the middle was forced. <laughs> was forced to get it. Eventually you could unstrap it and he would get it and he would catch it. Why? He would walk with others. We have, uh, that's what they call, a, after your, after your um, basic training, you've just spent um, basically three months training, 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 training. At the end of it, you have to do what's called a battle efficiency test. Back when I did mine years and years and years ago, we had to run 10 miles with a, a pack on our back. It was 25 pounds weight, whatever that in kgs is, you had to do it in your full kit, you weren't in running clothes, um, it was army gear, military attire, you had to have boots on, had webbing, webbing's the thing that you carry your water uh, bottles and your ammunition pouches and a little bum bag that's got chocolate and yummy things in it, um, your rifle and your pack and we had to all run this 10 miles, but you have to run it together. You can't just sprint off and go, you have to run it together. By the time you get to, or I got to about eight uh, miles, uh, well, that was it. <laughs> I had it. And so the guys grabbed me. Come on. Took my rifle. So now one guy's got two rifles. Another guy's got me. Come on. If a guy fell off to the bank, the guy stood around, pulled him up. It's what was for early, right at the start, forget him, flag him. Three months, I've been pulled together to understand what's going. It's one body. I need you. And right now, you need me. Because when it comes to it, 
and there are little pieces of lead flying at about 1,100 metres a second coming your way, you're going to be totally reliant on the guy beside you and he's going to be totally reliant on you. You need each other. We need each other. We've got something other than little bits of lead coming at us at 1,100 metres a second. We've got an enemy that's set against us, that's quite happy to stir up the things that are inside me and my flesh that are at enmity against my spirit. I need you and you need me. You need each other to spur one another. I urge you, come on. We're in this together. When we look at, um, at Joshua, I was going to, but don't, don't turn there, I'll just, um, I'll sp- just speak to it. In Joshua chapter 6, they've now uh, spent 40 years wandering around the, in the wilderness, which they didn't actually need to, but they ended up having to, which we're urged not to fall into that same um, camp because of unbelief. And the, the, these, these scriptures in the Old Testament, they're there for us to see. They're not historical stories to go, well, that's a lovely story. I wonder if I can look at National Geographic and see if they've actually found Jericho. You know? Which they have. There's all sorts of weird stories about it and what went on, but not too many that align to the Bible. One of the oldest cities that's, that's known uh, to man. Why is it that this is a city that they have to take first? So they they come to this point. They've crossed the river. And I think it's very significant too. That whole 40 years, they crossed the river onto the other side. So <laughs> now you've got a river blocking you behind. If I remember correctly, it was in flood. And then you get circumcised. Wouldn't it pay to have that done on the other side of the river? <laughs> kind of enemies a little bit closer no barrier no because there's an absolute commitment that you're now in it's a little bit like the guy who who sailed to wherever it was it's okay now burn the boats what yep there's no going back we can only go forward but that circumcision is an outward act it's symbolic everything that took past behind you it's the reproach of sin has been rolled away it's taken off it's gone He's, he's talking about something spiritual here. It's easy to look at that and go, oh, ouch. There's a circumcision of the heart that's taken place by Jesus Christ that says the reproach of sin and condemnation land, that has been rolled away. Don't go back there. So when they took um, Jericho and they, they were shown by the Lord what to do, march around, we all know the story, Shout, the walls came crumbling down. If you, if you want to, go back online and have a look. I, I gave a message much longer than this about that. And the walls of Jericho representing pride, the very first thing that must come down in order to take the promised land. In all humility. Humility is the antidote to pride. You know? And so they had to... Um, Trust that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Joshua had faith to see it and did it. The others were going to trust in what he said. And as that happened, they were all then given that opportunity to, to go forward. What were they told to do and not to do? They were told everything inside that city must be put to the sword and destroyed except gold, silver, bronze, iron. That is to be brought back to go into the, into the Lord's treasury. It's not for you. Everything else in there, it must be destroyed. Why? Because what does it represent? It represents the flesh. The flesh life. Why? Because it's at enmity against you. You can One is one. It's not one and nearly a bit more. It's one. One God. One Lord. One Spirit. So when I'm in this place of fighting against what's going on here, it's not a posture of one. It's a posture of me still trying to defend myself. And what's raising up within me, am I, am I humble enough to admit and see, ah, that's what this is. Achan was discovered as one who saw, oh, a beautiful robe, probably finely woven and beautiful colours and all the rest of it, 
Well, I'll take that and oh, silver and gold. It's interesting what what transpires next. And so in, in Joshua 7, it starts to be uncovered what has taken place. His sin was not theft. His sin was doubt. I've just spent 40 years having you, God, provide for me. I have just seen you wipe out the walls around Jericho. And I'm going to come in and you have said, will you trust me? Bread, water, clothing, shelter. Will you trust me for these things? Oh, I'll just take that because I can't trust God to provide for me. So he was convicted on what he had done. It cost him his wife, his children, his family, his flocks, everything he had. But what was interesting, when God addresses this to Jericho, he's, uh, to um, Joshua, he says, what are you doing? Now's not the time to be on your face. Stand up. There's a maturity that God was expecting formed in Joshua to address what had taken place. And then the next words, God does not say, Achan did this, Achan did that. He addressed it from a posture of how he sees us. Israel has done this. It's one. Do I affect you? Do you affect me? The way God sees it, it is one body with one head. Jesus Christ. If there's another head raising itself up, it's probably not pretty. So I urge you to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Have a read of James. He, he, he led me into that. I thought, oh, I want to get out of this book pretty quick. <laughs> it was pretty convicting. I said, Lord, show me. Show me what's in my heart. Show me that I might surrender it because I'm not in condemnation land. I'm in grace land. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm in the place where you need me to be, where you want me to be, so I can surrender what I've got, the humility. Will I bow my knee? When he says, when the, when the walls came down, the walls of pride around Jericho, they were shattered. They were smashed to pieces. When I fall on the rock, did I just crack the shell? Or have I been smashed to pieces? Because he wants to build his body, not me. That what will be produced to me, one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one power of God, the baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. Father, I pray that, that it is a totally, absolutely and utterly we are dependent on you. I came here with nothing. I have nothing in and of myself to give to you apart from my heart, my life. Here I am, Lord. So here we are. We can come no other way, Father. And as Paul cries out, this prayer is written down for us to open the eyes of our heart, open the ears of our heart, that we might receive you and by, from spirit to spirit receive understanding. Father, receive the, the baptism the fire of God that is a power birthed within us that raises us up. Now is not the time to be down, but now is the time, now is the hour where I'm raising up my sons in the power of God, in the power of my spirit. And Father, I pray that we would be humble before you, humble before each other, and to receive the power that's from you, to receive your love. Grant us understanding, I pray. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.